we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. to Redemption Church. We're a church in Plano, Texas that really loves Jesus and loves people. I think that's pretty cool, right? Y'all like that? I'm glad to be here. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I'm glad that you are here. Greetings to everybody that's joining us online. I'm glad that you are with us. We love you guys. However you found us, we're so glad. Special hello. Please reach out to us and uh, let us know where you're where you're watching this from, we love to make contact with you. We took, hey, we got, we need to be quiet back there. Everybody, time for the word of God. We're all paying attention. Got it. Mean it. We're paying attention. We took the month of October and gave you the scariest words in the Bible. Amen. Now, well, that was a fun series, kind of scary series, but that was called what? Scary words. Scary words. Now we've, now we're coming back to our series that is called? Vibe Check. You can find all six previous weeks of this sermon series on our website, redemptionplano.com. We took a break. We were on a break, but now we are back to the Vibe Check. What is a vibe, you might be asking? What is a vibe? No, Cleta. I am not talking about the metal deposit that is found in the nation of Wakanda. No. That's not Vibe that's vibranium. Yeah, a strong metal from a meteorite used in the Marvel comic universe. Captain's America's shield is made of vibranium. But that's not what a vibe is. There's Captain America's shield if you want to know. So, so sorry. I don't hope that doesn't disappoint you, but that's not what a vibe is. Here's what a vibe is. A vibe is a person's emotional state that is felt by others, the tangible atmosphere created by the disposition of our being. Who you are can be felt when you walk into a room. What kind of vibe are you putting out when you walk in a room? Because that's what a vibe is. And we need to be aware of our vibe. And so it's time for a vibe check. Look at somebody say vibe check. Vibe check. Go ahead and tell them you passed the vibe check. You passed the vibe check. I'm so glad you're here. As Christians, it is not enough to carry a belief inside our heart. We need a belief. We need to believe in our hearts. But it's not enough to just carry around. I've got a belief. I believe in that makes me a Christian. The vibe of the living God is meant to be shed abroad from our heart by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's what Romans 5, 5 says. That is so much bigger than I've got this belief in my heart. No, now you've got a belief in your heart that is being shed abroad in your heart 
by a supernatural spirit so that everybody around you can experience what is inside of you. You should have a belief in your heart, but it should not stay there. It should be felt by everyone around you. Everyone. Somebody say everyone. And all our good works should flow where? From our heart. And people should see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Matthew 5.16 says, when you walk into a room, the room ought to fill the life of Jesus that resides in you. Who loves to hear about the resurrection? Yeah, yeah. The power of the resurrection is supposed to walk in the room with you. Lord, let the power of the resurrection walk into Starbucks when we go. Let the power of the resurrection walk into Mama's Pizza when we go. All right? Amen. I hope you remember. Let's see. Over and under, you think they'll remember? I, I have faith in them, right? All right, here it goes. The worst vibes come from the flesh. It's good. Y'all said it. The worst vibes come from the flesh. Yeah, we talked about that a lot, didn't we? And that means that the best vibes come from the spirit, the spirit of God. So we've got this war of the flesh and the spirit. We've talked about that a lot in the last weeks. But the war of the spirit gives us good things. Galatians chapter 5 talks about it. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to remind you that these fruit are to be in us, but also these fruit are for us. They're not just living in us. They're actually useful to us. We should be empowered by these fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, they're, they're divided in three sections. with Love, joy, and peace. That's the fruit for your heart. If you have an unhealthy heart, you need to get a hold of love, joy, and peace, that is fruit for your heart. All the battles that go on in your heart, that's how you win that battle. Patience, kindness, and goodness, that's fruit for your relationships. You have difficulty in your relationships, you know what you need? You need some patience, you need some goodness, and you need some kindness. And then lastly, this is how you fight your battles. This fruit is for your battles. Faithfulness gentleness and self-control we are armed we're we're military soldiers in the the kingdom of god but we do not carry around ak-47s we don't we don't fly in f-16s no our weapons are this faithfulness gentleness and self-control that is the fruit of the spirit is it working in your life this would, if you don't know this, this would be a good thing. You just pull out your phone. You just take a picture of this and you study that out this week. That is what I need in my heart. That is what I need in my relationships. And that's what I need in my struggle. Everybody's got something they're working on. Can I get a big nod on that? 
yeah, we're all working on something, and this is how the Lord has empowered us to win. We have discussed love, joy, and peace. That's the vibes should reside in your heart. And, the, the, and then the last time we were here in this series, uh, we were in the middle section. Fruit in your relationships. Fruit for your relationships. And we spoke last about forbearance, which is also patience. We talked about patience. And today, I want to continue that talk by talking about the vibe of kindness. Can you say kindness? kindness. Patience, kindness, and goodness are God-like vibes. You want to know what God's like? Those three words. They nail it. God's patient. He's kind. And he's good. If you want to be like God, and we're called to be children of God, children of light, we need to have these three vibes working in our life. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Do you think the world is lacking patience, kindness, and goodness? Do you think your job needs patience and kindness and goodness to walk in? Do you think your neighborhood needs patience, kindness, and goodness to walk in? Yes. Let me tell you, your church needs patience, kindness, and goodness to walk in the room. We need to be patient with each other, good to each other, and kind to each other. Somebody said, amen. amen. I want to tell you that these are the impulses of God. Have you ever been impulsed? Anybody ever consider themselves impulsive? Oh my goodness, there's some people, if they drive by a target, Sarah Fluid, they just feel an impulse. Oh, that target, I think it's God's will that I go in that target. And I think, I think I would be missing out on the greatest blessing if I didn't go by that Starbucks in that target and get me the largest coffee I can. And to just walk around and shop. You just have this impulse, right? What's your impulse, right? When I watch sports, my impulse is I don't care if I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm going to end up rooting for somebody and probably yell, go, at some point. This is what I'm going to do. We have these impulses. Maybe, maybe somebody cuts you off in traffic. You have a different kind of impulse. We have these impulses. I want to talk to you about God's impulses. How you're naturally drawn to things. God is naturally drawn to being patient with you. It's, it's how he's impulsive, Lakita. God is so impulsive. He's just impulsive. Towards being patient. You have that picture of him? It's the picture you should have of him. It's the correct picture. Or maybe this one. That God is just impulsively kind. Just impulsively kind to you. Merciful to you. How about this one? That God is impulsively good. If God could grow kindness in us, we would be more like God. Do you understand that today? Who knows that we're called to be more like God? Yeah. Kindness. Here's what kindness is. To deliberately try to produce increase for someone else. You know what kindness is? That's it. To deliberately try to produce increase for someone else. Kindness for who? Someone else. Someone else. Deliberately try uh, to uh, produce kindness 
good for someone else. It means opposite motive. Its opposite motive is this, jealousy and envy. Jealousy and envy. What does jealousy want to do? It doesn't want good for someone else. It's like, why do they have that good thing? I should have that good thing. Envy, right? You know, if I had that good thing, I would do something good with it. The Lord should take that away from them and give it to me. That is the opposite motive of being kind. That's not creating good for them. A great example of this jealousy and envy, you have the prodigal son and then you have his brother, right? And the prodigal son returns home and the brother's like, ha, you're throwing this guy a party? I'm the one that's been faithful around here. You ought to be slaying the calf for me. The fatted calf should be slayed for me, right? That What is that? That is not kind. That was jealousy and envy. He couldn't be happy for what his brother was receiving. I want to tell you that kindness will try to boost, bless, and build others for their benefit. Boost, bless, and build others for their benefit. It will boost others with encouragement. It will bless others with gifts. It will build others with time and wise instruction. Have you experienced God's vibe of kindness? Yeah, right? You would find, well, wait, have you experienced God's kind vibe of kindness in other people? Sometimes people will show up in your life, and I want to tell you the kindness they're giving you is not natural, it's supernatural. That God's kindness is flowing through them towards you. Can you think of someone who has boosted you with encouragement? I want you to think about them in your mind right now. Hold them in your heart. Think about them. Think about them. Name them in your heart. They boosted you with encouragement. They, they walked up to you, and when no one noticed your gift, they walked up to you and said, Hey, I noticed that you're really gifted. I can tell you some people that have done that in my life. You know, there's sometimes in life you don't know you're gifted really until someone else tells you you're gifted. Isn't that interesting? It takes that sometimes. We discount our own gifts, but somebody encourages that in us. No, Kathy, I had somebody who was not even a Christian was the first person to walk up to me and say, you're really gifted in music, and you could do it for the rest of your life. Why don't you go do that? And that's why I'm a musician today. That person looked into my life, and God used them to encourage me. Can you think of someone who blessed you with a gift? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. They just gave you a gift. Can you think of someone? Anybody ever have somebody give them a car? Do you know how special that is that somebody gave you a car? Do you know how special it is when you, you didn't have enough money to make that light bill? Someone reached out and helped you do it. Do you know that somebody, you, you didn't know how to maybe jump your car, your, your car was dead in a parking lot, and somebody, they were probably busy, they probably had things to do, but they just stopped and they just pulled out some jumper cables and they gave you the gift of a little bit of ACDC in your charge. Not the band, Rick. No, some voltage and they got you going on your way. How about this one? Can you think of someone who built you? 
with timely conversations full of wisdom. Where they shared with you wisdom. All of that is kindness. Sometimes we miss out on what kindness is. Sometimes our life is full of kind people and we think nobody likes us. And it it couldn't be further from the truth. There are people all around trying to boost you, to build you, and to bless you, to benefit you. That's what kindness is. Do you recognize God's vibe of kindness, both from God and both from the people of God? I want to tell you, those people were not just being nice. You know, sometimes we, we just say that. Have you ever said those words? Well, you know, they were just being nice. Stop saying that sentence. That is like a downer sentence. That is a discount on what their gift was. That is a discount on what is actually happening at this moment. They were not just being nice. They were being like their father in heaven. That's what they were doing. Musicians and people in the ministry, sometimes we're the worst at that. Somebody will walk up and say, you did such a great job. And you're like, don't receive their, their, their encouragement. You go, oh, well, you know, and you just think they were being nice. No, they were being kind. They were being kind like their father in heaven is kind. The world needs kindness. Let us pray today that God's vibe of kindness would be vibing throughout the whole world. That God's kindness from Redemption Church would just be vibing in the nearby schools and in in the nearby homes and jobs. Here's what kindness says. Kindness says, I want to make life better for others because God has made life better for me. I I want to treat people the way God has treated me. Has God been kind to you? Yes, he has. So now, let's be kind to others, right? There's a parable. There's a parable of the, um, of the one servant, of the one person who had been forgiven greatly, but they turned around and were unkind to someone else. These are things that we can do that should not ever happen in us. Because of God's kindness, we should be transformed, and the next person that we run into, we should be kind towards that person. I want to tell you that your offering is kindness. I want to tell you that. Your offering, you drop that, whatever that amount you drop in the offering, it's kindness. And you're serving in this church, Redemption Church. It's kindness. Greeting people as they walk in. Cleaning the room so people walk into a nice clean space. Coming hour and a half early, two hours sometimes to make sure the place is ready to worship. Do you know what that is? That's service, but it's also kindness. Because you're meaning to build, boost, and bless others for their benefit. I think a great modern day example of kindness is this one. God wants you to know. not your hair it's not your clothes it's not anything in your future in your present or your past it's nothing that you can do it is you that are kind 
I believe God longs for us to be filled with the kindness that looks into the eyes of others and says the exact same thing. Oh, that we'd look into Plano, Texas's eyes and say, you know what? It's you I like. But I'm a drug addict. It's you I like. Point right past the drug addiction and right to a soul that Jesus died for and say, it's you I like. But you don't understand, I've got anger issues. I have said things and done things that hurt someone else. Stop it with that. Point at him. It's you. It's you I like. The vibe of the spirit working in you is the true answer for racism and prejudice. It looks right past skin color and it says it's you. It's you that's valuable. It's you that's beautiful. It's you that really matters. It's you that I like and I want in my life. I think we should be friends. The vibe of the spirit working in you is the answer for hunger and poverty. Those people that can barely look you in the eye because they feel so ashamed and they feel so little of worth. Raise up their countenance. Encourage them and tell them, no, you really matter. You really matter. It's you I like. The vibe of the spirit working in you is the answer for war. It's the answer for depression. It's the answer for abuse. It's the answer for loneliness. I believe that the Spirit of God is actually the answer for every problem we could name today. Whatever it is that is your problem today, the Spirit of God is the answer to that. There's a problem in the world right now that the spirit working in you could be the answer. Do you realize that's how important you are? The spirit alone is not the answer, but the spirit working in people is the answer everywhere. You with the spirit, with the vibing kindness of God in you, that is the answer. Kindness is not about you. Kindness is about others. Sometimes we can do good from the wrong motivation. Sometimes we do good so that we can be seen doing good. Gain some level of reward for being seen doing the good thing. In fact, there are people on YouTube that they set up scenarios there's a homeless man. Let's set up a camera and they'll actually have a guy with the camera. And then they'll walk up and say, guy on the floor said, hey, man, I noticed I noticed you, your shoes were looking rough. And they look back at the camera, wink at him. Like, hey, how about some new Nikes? Boom. And the person's like, wow, that is so kind. It's like, yeah, man, isn't it kind to me? Hey, why don't you come talk to my YouTube channel? And they're doing it not for the kindness. They're doing it for the views. They're doing it for the subscriptions. Like, subscribe. They don't do it with the camera off. Oh, Jesus, help us to do it with the camera off. Help us to, to do good, kind things when no one else is watching. Help us to do it, Lord. 
Sometimes we can do good so that we that when we need a favor, we can ask people we have helped out and perhaps hold our good deed over them. Hey, you know, I need a ride to the airport. You know, I came and helped you that time. We'll just throw that out. And it's almost, there are some people out there that they do good and they like write it down in a ledger somewhere and they will use that against you later. And I do mean against you. The Spirit's fruit of kindness doesn't work like this. That's not how God's Spirit, His vibe works. We need a kindness that is not self-centered, but is centered in others. Lord, give us that kind of kindness. There is a story I'd like us to look at in the Old Testament. If you'll get your Bibles out, I've got another place for you to turn. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's in your Old Testament. Go ahead and find it and just pull up the whole chapter. We're going to jump around a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's an often overlooked story. I would like you to lay eyes on it. While you turn to 2 Samuel 9, I want to give you the context of this story. Here's the story context. David is king of Israel at this point. But it was a difficult journey to the throne. There was a previous king, his name was Saul, who literally tried to kill David on numerous occasions. Saul treated David as an enemy. Saul was not kind at times to David. Fast forward. Now Saul has died in battle and David is king of Israel. Often when a new king came into power, they would have all the previous king's family killed to eliminate anyone who could ever claim a right to the throne. This is the context of our story. 2 Samuel 9, David asked, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba at your service? He replied, verse 3, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Verse 4, where is he? The king asked. Point one, kindness will appreciate. Say those words, kindness will appreciate. Two times in those first four verses, David remembers the kindness that others had shown him. In verse one, do you remember who who that kind person was he remembered? It was Jonathan. He says, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. David remembers and appreciates the kindness of a friend named Jonathan. And in verse 3, he says these words, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? So David remembers the kindness of a person named Jonathan and also The kindness of 
God. I have noticed that the least kind people are the least appreciative people. Now, I don't have a scripture that says that. I can't find it in Proverbs, but I think it vibes with me. The least kind people are the least appreciative people. The truth is that God and others have been so kind to us that we ought to be, that ought to be enough motivation for us to practice kindness. But if we don't appreciate that kindness that we've received in the past, that will not be the motivation for us to be kind. Which is why I say, the least appreciative people are the least kind. David goes and looks for someone to be kind towards. Do you get this? Do you see this picture? His past, he appreciates the kindness he's received. So now he's going and looking for anyone to be kind towards. He's like, huh, is there someone still alive from this family? Because I want to be kind to them. I think we should be like that. I think we should be going somewhere to find someone to be kind to. We shouldn't be ducking it. Sometimes we duck that. It's like a phone call. There are people that will call you and they will always need your help. I get that. But do not ever fall into the trap of, ooh, don't, don't answer that. They're going to ask for my help. That might require some kindness towards me. Just because it ought to be motivation enough to think back how God has always answered your phone calls. For you to be motivated enough to pick up that phone and show kindness. And listen, if you can't help them that day, still pick up the phone. Pray for them that day. Be kind to them that day. We're looking on 2 Samuel 9 and ending verse 4. Ziba answered. He is at the house of Mekir, son of Emil. In Lodabar, verse 5. So King David had brought him from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. 6. When Mephibosheth, everyone say Mephibosheth. Try it one more time. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth. At your service, he replied, verse 7, Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Point number two, kindness resists hate. Kindness will appreciate, point two, kindness resists hate. Before David is someone he could have viewed as the enemy. He could have viewed Mephibosheth as the enemy. As king, David had the power to kill Mephibosheth. No one would have questioned him about it at all. It is just what was done in the ancient world. David had hurtful memories of what Saul had done to him, and he could have viewed Mephibosheth through the lens of that painful past. Kindness chooses to look at people differently. Kindness chooses not to hate, but to love. Not to curse, but to bless. Not to tear down, but to build up. Kindness resists 
hate. Looking on in our story, verse 7 of 2 Samuel 9. I will restore to you, Mephibosheth, all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your son, Ziba, and your servants are to farm the land for Mephibosheth and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Kindness appreciates. Kindness resists hate. Now three, kindness will elevate. Somebody say those words. Kindness will elevate. The kindness of David went past remembering and appreciating the kindness of Jonathan and God. His kindness went beyond thinking something. Sometimes we just think, oh, that person was really nice to me that one time. And then we just go on about our day. It was just a thought. The kindness of David went beyond letting go of bitter thoughts. Sometimes that's the struggle for us, you know. So we'll go about that today. Well, uh, that person did me wrong. But you know what? Forgive them in Jesus' name. And then we just go on. So it's a thought. It's a prayer maybe. And then we just move on. But I want to tell you, kindness must go on beyond a mental exercise. Kindness needs to act. Kindness needs a verb attached to it. Kindness needs to elevate. It needs to do good for someone else. So you know what David does? He does something. We need to do something. David restores Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth had very little and was living in hiding. Do you realize he was living in hiding? No one but Ziba knew where he was. He was fearful that he'd be assassinated. But David, in his kindness, elevates Mephibosheth. David elevates the grandson of Saul to the place of his own table. Do you realize what that means? That means that David treats Mephibosheth as one of his own family. Mephibosheth is orphaned here. He's got no children and he's got no predecessor. He's all alone. And David says, you're not alone. You're my son. And you're going to eat at my table like all my children. What did Mephibosheth refer to himself as? Do you remember? Yeah. What is your servant that you'd even consider this dead dog of a human being? That's what he's calling. He's calling himself not a dog, a dead dog. Roadkill, if you will. I'm just, I'm useless. What does David do? He elevates him. He says, no, you're not. You're a child of mine. You're a son in my kingdom. And you'll never go hungry. You're provided for. You have a future. 
the last verse of the chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 9, the last verse, reveals a little bit more about Mephibosheth. Verse 13. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was lame in both feet. It leads that to the very end. But everyone who knew this story well knew this part of the story. But it's something that's only revealed at the end. He was lame in both feet. What did that mean? It means that Mephibosheth was disabled. It means that he could not walk. He could not stand under his own power. He was lame in both of his feet. And we're told what happens elsewhere in the Bible. It tells us that as a baby, he had been dropped during the hurry to take him into hiding after the death of Saul. They took him into hiding because someone's going to kill this baby because he's an heir to the throne. If it's not David, it's another son of Saul. Someone's going to kill this defenseless baby. And while that nurse is running, she accidentally trips. She accidentally drops that young baby named Mephibosheth. Sorry, Mephibosheth. And it breaks his feet. That That little baby grows up to be a man that never, ever walked. I want to tell you that society has a way of looking down on those with disability. Tech team, help me. Fred Rogers. Jeff Erlang. I wish I had more time. You need to, you need to go YouTube this. YouTube these words. Rogers Hall of Fame. It will take you to something. That happened in around 2004, where 30 years, 20 years after that original airing of this episode, and now 30-year-old Jeff Erlinger comes out onto the stage, and he's the one that calls everyone's attention to Fred Rogers to receive the Television Hall of Fame. And you need to see the moment. Fred Rogers sees a grown-up Jeff Erlinger. And you need to see an 80-year-old Jeff Rock, sorry, Fred Rogers jump up from his chair and jump up on a stage and embrace him. Jeff Erlinger looks at him and says, On behalf of myself and all the children of the world, Mr. Rogers, it's you we love. Beautiful. I want you to know that kindness looks past disability. It looks past failure. It looks past flaws. It looks past, let's just say, not GQ model type beauty. It looks past maybe a little overweight. It looks past maybe a little slow in some areas of intelligence. It looks past all of these things. It looks past not having a job. It looks past being divorced. It looks past being a sinner. It looks past all of these things, and it sings. It's you I love. That's what kindness looks like. 
Mephibosheth went from feeling like a hated outcast to a favored son all because of kindness. Why? It's like David is singing to him, it's you I like. Mephibosheth didn't have to earn David's kindness. David brings him to him, and he's like, well, I can't run from the guy. I guess haul me to him, and they prop him up right before David, and he's waiting. He's like, well, you found me. I lived as good of a life as I can, but I'm sure you're going to die. But instead of receiving a death sentence, he receives this wonderful blessing. It's like, it's you I like, and I want you to keep coming back to my house every night, Mephibosheth. Christians, does this world have to earn your kindness? Are you waiting for somebody to do something kind in order for you to do something kind? Are you waiting for somebody to earn that kindness? Or is the Spirit producing it freely in you? Talk about being kind to those who persecute you. Loving those who persecute you. Praying for those that persecute you. Blessing those who curse you. Who taught things like this? It's Jesus who taught things like this. Number one, kindness will appreciate. Number two, kindness resists hate. Kindness elevates. That's number three. And here's number four. It's my last point as the musician comes. Kindness won't wait. Can you say in those words? Kindness won't wait. Kindness is not something we should procrastinate. We miss so many moments to show kindness. Often it is not that we refuse to show kindness. It is that we put it off for a later date and that day never comes. Is your vibe kindness today? How could you better live out the fruit of that spirit? And could you do it right now? There is a discipline I want you to take and take it and make it yours right now. Here it is. When God puts a kind thought in your mind, because it comes from God and not us, because we some stinkers. When God comes and puts a kind thought in your mind, act on it. Pick up the phone and call. Pick up the phone and text. I was thinking about you are words that need to get out of our mind and now out of our mouth and into our actions. Well, we say, I thought about you. I prayed for you. I remembered how you liked that coffee shop. Why don't we meet up at that place? I'm thinking about you. Let's not procrastinate. Let's act. Let's act now. And I'm telling you, I believe so strongly, and I hope you agree with me, that God has been putting kind thoughts in your head that we have been driving right past. Help us to get past it, Lord. Help us to be spiritual, vibing, kind Christians that don't wait to go and do. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us.